Amen, amen. You may be seated. Why don't you thank our worship team for helping us this morning? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, it was wonderful to just enjoy that this morning and uh, to sing praises to our King. A couple of things, just as a family, um, Kevin Bolte, who's playing guitar up here, lost his father a week ago or so, uh, maybe his couple now during the holidays, but uh, pray for the Bolte family. And then um, Lori Susach, I know she's here this morning as well, and Lori lost her mom, and I think that service is tomorrow. Where's Lori? There's Lori. Tuesday, Tuesdays. Pray for the Sots as well. Before we get into the message, I want to invite uh, Roger Sovis. If Mary's not in here, oh, they are both here. Wonderful. Roger and Mary are going to come up. They're going to talk about our Treehouse program. It starts uh, in two Wednesdays, not this Wednesday, but this Wednesday is a meeting for all the leaders for Treehouse. Now, while I'm handing the mic over to them, before they say anything, this is the sheet I was given at the office, and this sheet has black ink and red ink. Red ink is where we have whole like we, we, need, we need workers there. I don't know if you can see colors. Maybe you should zoom in on the camera or something like that and uh, make them see that uh, at home. They can at least see that. There's a lot of red spots, and it's, it's people that have said maybe, but maybe not. or not sure. Well, we're running out of time for maybes. we got to have definites. And so I'm going to let both Roger and Mary talk about Treehouse and maybe a little bit about the theme, but uh, encourage the folks to sign up, would you? Awesome. Th- thank you so much, PD. Well, we are thrilled for our kids and, and the excitement that it comes on Wednesday nights. If your family has not been part of Treehouse before, we we invite you. There's a family dinner that starts at 5.30 and then at 6 o'clock we, we take the kids downstairs and they start their program and there's some other opportunities for the parents and, and uh, older folks. So um, it's an exciting evening. It's great for the kids and this time, what's the theme? We are doing a theme called The Dig. So we're digging deep for God's truth, and we're taking the Old Testament and showing how it highlights the New Testament so that our kids growing up know that God's word is true, whether it was written before Jesus came and it shows that he did come and what he did for us. So we're actually going with an archaeology theme, and I'm making a sarcophagus that we're going to have there, which is really pretty cool. And we're going to be digging up treasures about God's word every week. So we get to play in the sand in the middle of the winter. So this is just a win-win. Now, as uh, PD did say, we have a lot of red. And, um, you know, everybody needs help. But this is a chance to invest in the future. This is a chance to invest in kids. Hold this for me. So um, I'm like, gosh, everybody needs help. Sunshine Park needs help. Gina, have you gotten somebody yet? Gina's even iffy, and she's incredible. I can see if somebody goes, I'm not working with Mary Sovis. But when, when Gina's iffy, that, that just means we need to step up. But I've been reading this book uh, by Tim Tebow called Shaken. And it's a really good book. And last night, God led me to a couple quotes that I would like to read that I said, Roger, I was finished with this book, but God led me to these. God wants us to be part of, an, of awesome things, but we have to say yes to doing something. I'm challenging you in ways I've been challenged and challenging myself. I'm a big believe. Oh, I don't have my glasses on. I'm so sorry. Read this quote for me right there. 
unreal if you didn't know. I've been challenged and I'm challenging myself. I'm a big believer in doing something when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, when you're motivated, and when you're not. When you're faced with the opportunity to do the right thing, to better someone else's life, help lessen someone's struggle, or simply brighten someone's day, just do it. Yeah, that's what, that's what Tim said. Oh, I got one more. Don't go away. Oh. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm not even a big football fan. I do not even like football. <laughs> but I really did enjoy this um, easy read. Good. You don't know what God can do with one step forward, with a raised hand, with a heart that says yes, with five loaves and two fishies, with a slingshot and a few stones. Don't limit what he can do based on how you limit yourself. Be yourself and let God be God. The little things we do each day add up to something greater, something we will ultimately leave behind. And what that ends up looking like for you and for me will depend on how we live knowing whose we are. And the awesome thing is, what we really need is huddle leaders. There's, there's no preparation. It's, it's really leading the kids around to the different events throughout the evening. It's a real easy task. We invite you to join us and have a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We uh, encourage you to consider that. There's six-week segments. And so uh, Treehouse happens six weeks, and then there's several weeks off. And it's a new staff each time. You're not committing for a whole year. It's just for the six-week segment. So consider as an adult helping. We also really encourage our teenagers to jump in and be teen huddle helpers. And they actually are then the third tier of the, each huddle. We've got a huddle leader, a huddle helper, and then you've got a teen huddle helper. And so uh, we need people for all those. You can sign up at The Oak. Remember where The Oak is? Right across the lobby is The Oak. That's where you sign up for all things volunteerism and uh, get information about serving. So you can go there, ask questions, and uh, maybe submit your name for consideration for that. We'd encourage you to be part of it. Let's go ahead and roll that video, the promo of the first week. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Why don't you pray with me this morning as we jump into our new series called Pray. Pray with me this morning. If you just say this prayer silently, God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. If you just give that prayer to God. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, we do pray that you'd be glorified, that everyone hearing this message would be edified. We pray that Satan would be horrified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer. Some of you are probably sitting back saying, well, this is kind of one of the elemental things about Christianity. It is, and yet we struggle with it so much. Most believers would say that. Matter of fact, I wouldn't mind taking a poll right now. If you don't mind, I'm going to have you just raise your hand if you agree with this. If you agree that there's power, mighty power in prayer, raise your hand. Go ahead and raise them high. Good, and I'll put them down. And then I want to ask this question, and be honest. Don't wait and see if somebody else raises their hand. Just shoot your hand up if it's true about you. How many of you would say, I don't pray enough? Okay, we've got a dilemma, and it's not an Oakwood dilemma, it's a worldwide phenomenon. People that know the mighty power of prayer 
and don't pray. <laughs> uh, it's an amazing thing. And I'm not giving you a hard time. I think everybody would say, as a matter of fact, let's do this. Everybody take one arm up and just put it right above your nose, right in front of your nose, right? I like that. Uh, it looks like you're all doing the, 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 but we're not doing that. We're going to do this here. And we're going to play a little scale uh, to your left. This would be um, your, you'll see, yeah, yeah, I'll do it with you. There we go. To your left is uh, 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 pray not so much and I'm not very good at it. To the middle is I'm pretty decent at it, I try hard. And then to the right is I'm phenomenal with prayer. Let's go on the count of three. Put yourself on the scale. One, two, three. All right. You see, we're somewhere in the middle, somewhere struggling, and it's very common. We're going to take four weeks and talk about prayer. And we're actually going to take four separate prayers of Paul. Paul prayed and he wrote his prayers down in the Bible to the churches. He prayed some specific prayers. We're going to walk through each of those four prayers, one each week, and learn something about prayer. The big idea today is we will be strengthened in power when we pray. Prayer is something that's supposed to bring strength to the believer. It's given to the believer to give him strength. And we want you to pick up on that important aspect today. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3 with me. Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21. I want to read the whole context of that this morning first. Then we'll step back and take it verse by verse and walk through it. And again, this is a prayer of Paul. Most of Paul's prayers that are written are written in prison. They're prison prayers. He had a lot of time on his hand, not much to do, and he was worried about the churches. A lot of the books he wrote, the letters he wrote to the churches, come from a pr- imprisonment when he was uh, uh, unjustly in prison for preaching the gospel. And so w- we're going to talk through these four prayers, and here's the first one that we're going to share with you. It's Ephesians 3, 14-21. For this reason... I kneel before the Father from whom every family or father in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Prayer. We're not really good at it. We struggle with it. And yet it is the power. Everybody say power. It's the power for the believer. I got a phone call this week from Judy McDaniel. She left a, a beautiful little voicemail. And I decided to use it, Judy. It's a good quote. She said, I just am excited about the prayer series. And there's a quote that I have uh, from uh, Priscilla Shire. It's from her book, Fervent Prayer. And the quote is this. Prayer is the portal that brings the power of heaven down to earth. It is the kryptonite to the enemy and to all his ploys against you. Amen. We know it's true. I I really don't have to spend any time convincing you about the power of prayer. 
And yet we struggle. We struggle with it. We often don't do it. We often start praying and get bored. How many of you would be honest? I won't make you raise your hand, but how many of you have ever fallen asleep when you started to pray? Dear Lord, you, you, you wait until night, you would get to head on the pillow, and you think I'm going to spend some time with God in prayer. Dear God, please. <laughs> I mean, how's God going to answer that prayer? Yeah, we fall asleep. Uh, I don't know how many of you have ADD prayers. I, I often have ADD prayers. That's the way I live life. It's, it's, Lord, I really need a miracle. Miracle. Miracle whip is my favorite. Got those red flecks. What's in that miracle whip that has those red flecks, but the red flecks make a difference? And, oh, man, now I'm hungry. I got to get some. What was I doing? Oh, I was praying. What was I talking about? Miracle. ADD. Shiny things. Woo. <laughs> we, we get distracted, and we lose our focus. And, and that happens all the time. And then we feel guilty. Then there's another whole side of it when you, if you've ever been to a small group or a smaller prayer group and you show up and then they make you hold hands. Have you ever had to hold hands with people in prayer? We probably won't do that during COVID. You're probably thankful. Those of you inner people that don't like extrovert you know, living, you're probably thankful for COVID. Uh, we can't do those awkward things, but in prayer, you used to have to, and you've ever held hands with, with people to pray, and on one side, you got mighty prayer warrior. And, and when they pray, they bring the power of heaven down to earth, but they also squeeze your hand to death. The louder they pray, the more excited they get, the tighter the grip goes, and you're like, ah! And on the other side, you could have dead fish hand guy. That, that, that has nothing. It's a cold, clammy, like nothing. And you're like, is this thing alive? What is that? It's gross. And, and so, I mean, we do weird things and weird experiences in prayer. And then sometimes we try to one-up the prayer guy. If you've ever been in that, I mean, I I'm just will be very transparent today. Has any of you been in a small circle and prayed with Terry Shrecknallian? Oh, the prayers of Terry Nallian. Oh my goodness, and I I'd, I'd never would want to hold hands with him during prayer because it would break in half. Uh, that's kind of what they did. But boy, when Terry would pray, Terry would call down the power of heaven. And he would make demands on the throne room. And he would call out for things to happen. And now, not later. And he'd start yelling and he'd start thumping. Uh, a lot of times he'd be kicking the floor. And, and if you pray with somebody like that, the danger is... I'm not going to let them one-up me. And you're thinking about when I get to pray. And then we, we start making stuff up, you know. <laughs> and it gets our turn, and we're like, oh, God, Jehovah Nisan, <laughs> the good, good, good God. He's so good. He, he's so good. He, he won't, he, he melts in your mouth and he, not in your hands. And, oh, he's, he's like a good neighbor. Our God is there. And, and you start making stuff up. Try and outpray somebody. We do. We're, and some of you are looking at me like, I've never done that before. Well, you haven't been around long enough. We do weird things with prayer. There's two big mistakes that we make. I'm going to give them to you right at the beginning. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write them down right from the get-go this morning. Avoid these two big prayer mistakes. Praying too small and praying too general. General prayers don't move God to specific actions. If you make these prayer mistakes, you're not grounded, you're not uh, 
punished. Uh, and if you do them in public at church, we won't chastise you. But we need to get beyond praying for things like, Lord, bless so-and-so. Uh, Lord, bless so-and-so. Uh, that's not a specific prayer. And then the worst is the prayer that I do, Lord, be with so-and-so. And we pray that prayer a lot. How many of you have ever prayed that prayer? Lord, be with so-and-so. And it's funny because God in heaven is like, okay, I've already promised you I will do that. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that was already promised. So why are you asking me for it? Is that it? Is that all you're doing? And of course, God doesn't get snotty like that. God is patient. I believe God not only hears our prayers, but he, he understands your hearts as well. And you don't have to be a perfect prayer, but we need to avoid these big mistakes of too small too general. We need to be able to go to God with specific requests. That's why I love to listen to a Terry Nally and pray. He would pray for the big ideas in prayer. He'd pray for those things that were desperately needed. I mean, parents, I hope you're not just praying that your, your kids don't get pregnant before they're married and don't get on drugs. Uh, those are too small of prayers and too general of prayers. Let's, let's pray that God moves in their hearts and not only protects them from mistakes, but that they thrive in doing good. That they'll rise to the top and honor God with all their lives. And they'll learn from Scripture that they need to lead out and not just follow. They need to be uh, uh, thermostats, not uh, thermometers, right? We need to pray those kind of prayers every day uh, for our children. It's easy to be a thermometer in this world. In this world, we're, everywhere we go, we just kind of plug in and we, we meet the temperature of the room. So our kids can go to school and live one way. And then they, they'll go to maybe work and live one way. They'll be with their friends on Saturday night and they'll just live one way. And then they'll come to church and they can amp it up because it's church. And, and we need young people that aren't going to be thermometers. We need young people to be thermostats. They set the temperature everywhere. They, anybody with me this morning? We need to pray that. Go home and pray that, dear God. Dear God, just don't. I'm not going to pray that my kids skims by this life. I'm going to pray that they thrive for you in this life. Almost heard Terry coming out there. We got to pray. Not small, not general, but real specific prayers. There's a story I read about Martin Luther father of the Reformation, he had a great friend and an assistant named Friedrich Myconis, a really close friend of his, and he helped him with the reforming of the church. What a big job. This is in the 1500s. And in 1540, Myconis, Myconius was so sick and he was expected to die shortly, he wrote Martin Luther and told him, I love you, and he was doing that goodbye thing. And, and, and Martin Luther was having none of it. He was having none of it. He's like, no. And he didn't pray, God bless Friedrich. He didn't say, God be with Friedrich. We actually have the prayer that, that Martin Luther wrote. I have it on the screen. Martin Luther wrote this to his friend Myconis as a prayer. I command you in the name of God to live because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying, because I seek only to glorify the name of God. That's a specific prayer. Martin Luther was saying, I need my servant, my friend in ministry. I will never hear that he has died. 
At this time, Friedrich had already lost his ability to speak. He was so sick. He was with the days of dying. Upon hearing this, by reading that letter, he immediately rose to his feet. And he went on to live for another six years serving with Martin Luther. He did eventually die two months after Martin Luther died. This is a specific prayer. That's why we use the mountain and the imagery in this first week in our prayer series. Big! Everybody say big. And that's another thing. We need to stop praying uh, little pebbles when we've got mountains in the way. We're praying pebbles. Lord, help me climb this, this pebble when we've got a mountain in front of us. We've got to learn to pray big and not general, specific prayers. God promised in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Where That's where that comes from when we say that he's given us things that we're already asking him for and we need to move on from that. So let's walk through this passage verse by verse. Let's look at Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family... It actually was uh, not as specific uh, translation there as it should have been. The word should be translated father there. It makes sense. He says, for this reason I kneel before the father from whom every father in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, and then he goes on. Let's first talk about Paul's posture in prayer. Everybody say posture. What's the right way to pray? Paul in this passage says, I kneel. You might think, no big deal. Well, it actually is kind of novel when he writes this. Jewish men would only pray standing with their palms up. They had a specific posture for prayer. Paul decided in this prayer to break the norm and to do something different. And he says, this is why I'm kneeling before God the Father. But I would say to you this, then what is, the pop- what is my posture in prayer? What is our posture in prayer? Pray anyway. And I think that's what Paul was doing. He wasn't prescribing that you must kneel. He was actually breaking a norm. Maybe you're only used to praying at the dinner table. And that's even a novelty nowadays. Do families even pray together? Do families even eat together anymore? But maybe you're only used to praying at a seat. Well, shake that up a little bit. It's okay to, to move the chair and get on your knees at some point. It's okay to, to, to go prostrate before the Lord, lay completely down. There are groups of people that draw circles on the ground and put their nose in the circle and pray until they're done. Prostrate is fine. Kneeling is fine. Sitting is fine. Standing is fine. Pray. Pray anyway. Amen? You don't have to take a certain posture, Right? Pray when you're driving. Just pray with your eyes open. Pray. Uh, uh, some people say, I, I, every time I use the restroom, I pray. And some people are like, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't go to the heavenly throne on your throne. And I say, no, just pray. Pray anyway. Pray all the time. The Bible says pray without ceasing. So we should be praying, standing and sitting and driving and walking and talking and moving. And pray. Pray anyway. And then he moves on to verse 16 and 17, and it's Paul's purpose in prayer. And I love how Paul makes it so clear in verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the the Spirit in your inner being. So that, everybody say so that. 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We don't have to do a lot of investigative work here to find out what is Paul's purpose. He's got a very specific prayer. He's praying for the power of God to enter into your life. He's praying the power of God so that... I love when he gives us the so that's. I do believe you're going to hear that for four weeks in a row. There's going to be a so that. And in this verse, it's Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Power. There's power in prayer. Not only is it God's power, but it's, it's the, the power of heaven to enter into your life. Power. The word here is dunamis. You've heard this before. And it's where we get our word dynamite. Dunamis is in the Greek. Dynamite. Are we having that kind of a, a prayer life that's dynamite with God, that is explosive with power in your lives, that He comes alive in you and through your prayers? Dynamite. Power in prayer. And that power is kryptonite for the enemy. I love that uh, Priscilla Shire said that in that quote I gave you earlier. It is kryptonite to the enemy. It's, it's a double whammy. Everybody say double whammy with me. Ready? Double whammy. It gives you power and it saps the enemy of his power. It does both things when we pray. When we pray, Satan is at bay. And when we pray, we are strengthened through our faith. And the I love how Paul lays it out there. He talks about the glorious riches. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. We know that our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And we know that our God has almighty power to do anything and to change any situation. We know that that's true. When I ask you, do you believe there's power in prayer? Many, many raise their hand. We believe it's true. We have a, a glorious rich heavenly father. There's nothing held back from him. And we are his impoverished children. When it comes to spiritual strength, we have none without him. That's why Paul is praying for the church, that they may receive power, dynamite power, because they don't have it on their own. And I love that Paul calls it his glorious, glorious riches. He uses this in in Philippians 4, he uses that, that you might be blessed in its glorious... I think there's a verse I want to put on the screen, the side verse. Ephesians 1, 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's a promise. We're in Ephesians today. You should read through the first part of Ephesians, the first whole chapter of Ephesians are a list of the blessings we have because we are the children of God. We are blessed. Our Father is gloriously rich. Gloriously rich. Man. And we are His poor children when it comes spiritually. And I want to emphasize spiritually, if you look at that, that verse, Ephesians 1-3, in the spiritual realm. So many of you are praying uh, for health and wealth and things in the physical realm. And while God does answer prayer, I don't believe he's as concerned with those temporary details as he is your eternal detail, your spiritual being, your spiritual being. As much as we have a God of dynamite power, his children run around impoverished and anemic and weak. That's why Paul was praying. Bless them with power in the spiritual realm. 
Let's read the next verse that I had, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Some of you have life verses. If you're getting older like me, uh, you can adopt this one as your life verse. Outwardly, we are wasting away. Amen? Oh, man. It's just true. I can't get hair to grow back here. Uh, yeah. Angela, I know you got product. I know. I've been trying product, Angela, and your hair is just awesome, man. If I could grow it, I'd turn it purple and pink too, but it just won't grow. In the back here, I've got a hole in my head that just won't grow. I lost all that hair. And the weirdest thing is, outwardly I'm wasting away. I can't get that hair to grow, and yet it starts growing out my ears all over the place. You can ask Nan. Nanette over here is my hairdresser. Boy, she, she dresses up my hair. She does all fancy work. But she gets out the shears, and she has to go through my ears. <laughs> Outside, all around, inside, it's a mess. Growing hair there, growing hair weird. I can't grow it where it needs to be. And when they're sagging, parts start sagging. I, didn't, I wasn't ready for that. You know, the, the bags under my eyes. and Oh, just, it's difficult when you... And we could go to the Lord in prayer and say, Oh, Lord, take the, air, the, the hair from my ears and put it on my head. You can pray those prayers if you want, but I just don't think that's going to move heaven. I don't think God's going to be moved much. He's like, get over it. Paul was bald too. You know, <laughs> outwardly, we're wasting away. It's almost a promise. I, I don't see any hope in that verse. Outwardly, you're wasting away. These are earthly tents. Amen, Doug? They're earthly tents. And while we can, while we still have body and breath, we ought to serve him. I got to serve with Doug yesterday at People Feeding People as we're feeding our community. And, and there's Doug, man. He's showing up and it's cold. It was cold yesterday. And Doug sits at the door and greets people when they come and go, it's cold. I kept telling him, Doug, we got to move you. He goes, no, it's a joy to serve the Lord. The, the tent's wearing out for me, for you. The tent wears out. Some of you are young. I love young teens who think they've got the rest of their lives. I've been around for a long time. All those teens I used to serve and as a youth pastor are old and flabby now too. <laughs> Age does stuff to you. Man, I had some of the most athletic kids you'd ever imagine. They're all overweight and balding down too. I mean, just life is hard and outwardly we are wasting away do your best you can to honor God with your body. That's scriptural, so do your best, right? I'm sure Margaret's going to say, you don't have to waste away, PD. Maybe you should watch what you put in your body. Oh, leave me alone. <laughs> Outwardly, we're wasting away. Amen, do the best you can. Do the best you can. That way we can serve longer. That's what Doug was telling me. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Just keep going. Keep serving the Lord. But inwardly, the promise there. Outwardly are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That's why Paul was praying for the church. God, give them strength, give them power. From oldest to the youngest, inwardly renew them day by day, strengthen them, build them up. That's what Paul was praying. Power is in our inner beings. That's what we need to be looking for. I know we're concerned about the outward things, but it is temporary, friends. It is just a tent, and eventually it does wear out. But pray that God would strengthen you spiritually. And then he moves on, uh, part of 17 again, in through verse 19. Again, uh, 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. And, and again, I want to emphasize, he uses the words, and I pray. In verse 16, he says, I pray that are. And then he says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. Once again, there's a second time he talked about his purpose, power, together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. What did Paul pray for the people? Did he pray that they would uh, be rich and and healthy and live long lives and pad their bank accounts and have nice cars? He he didn't pray any of those things over them. He prayed that they would have power. And the first thing that he wanted them to have power in is power to grasp God's love. Wow, that's kind of a surprise. Didn't see that coming, Paul. I didn't think I needed power to know that God loves me. And yet that's exactly Paul's passion in prayer. And got to say, these peas came to me so beautifully this week. Paul's purpose in prayer, Paul's passion in prayer is to grasp God's love. Love isn't just what God does, friends. It is who he is. Do you grasp God's love? You're not going to be able to do this humanly. You won't be able to grasp how much God loves you humanly. It's not. It's not human. It's divine. That's why Paul prays that God's love would be supernaturally revealed. Let's look how he says that. And to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is a supernatural knowledge. Has it come to you yet? Have you grasped how wide and deep is the love of God? Have you grasped yet that you don't have to do anything to earn it? You don't have to keep earning it day after day after day. Have you grasped yet that your God loves you despite you? (laughs) You know, intimacy is a beautiful thing, and that's why marriage is so amazing that two people would commit before God to be together forever. And to be loved... And to be known, that's a hard thing. I think each of you would say, if somebody really fully knew me, would they dare to love me? Can I truly be really known and really loved? And that's what's amazing about marriage. If you're in a good marriage, you have a spouse that loves you despite you. Doesn't love you only when you're good. Doesn't love you only if you put the toilet seat up or down. And doesn't love you only if you do dishes. But loves you. That's an amazing thing. Those of you who are in good marriages that have that incredible kind of love, you know what I'm talking about. And those of you who are in marriages that you don't have that kind of love, you know what I'm talking about. That's why it's amazing that we have a Father in heaven who loves us despite us. He loves us. And we don't have to earn it. We don't have to keep earning it. He loves us. That's a supernatural knowledge. Some of you might still be battling that truth with your worldly truth, thinking you've got to earn his love. Supernaturally, it needs to be revealed to you. As he says, this surpasses knowledge. This is something that's got to be given to you. Charles Finney said it this way. When he experienced the love of God, he said it like this. The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. 
some of you might not be experienced or, you know, you don't like experiences or not high on experiences, but I, I do like to hear from those that are, are from the more uh, uh, experienced side of Christianity. And I love what Charles Finney said. How else can you explain it when you finally grasp how wide and how deep is the love of God? He called it waves and waves of liquid love. Have you experienced that in your life? And there's power in knowing how much you're loved as a believer. There's power in, in having the confidence that your God is on your side. Not on your side. He's with you. So he's by your side. There's power in that, isn't there? There's power in knowing that when you go to prayer, you're instantly in the throne room of heaven. There's power in knowing that your God never leaves you nor forsakes you. And so you can start praying at any time, at any moment. There's power. Have you experienced it? Paul's passion, his passion, his purpose was that they would have power. His passion was that that power would reveal God's love. And then he ends with my favorite verses in in, in Paul's, in the Polinian writings, Paul's perspective, Paul's perspective. Those are so good. Let me, let's say them out loud because when they come together like that, I just really like that. So say them with me. Uh, Paul's uh, posture, everybody say posture. Everybody say Paul's purpose. Everybody say Paul's passion. And now we get to this verse, and we're going to talk about Paul's perspective in prayer. It's one thing to pray for power. It's one thing to pray for that power to reveal God's love. But I love Paul's perspective about prayer. Verse 20 and 21. Not a him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power. Once again, Paul's, he really is a genius logic writer. He keeps bringing us back to that word dunamis. And it's not your dunamis. You're not, you're not dynamite. You're not. None of us are dynamite. But we each, as God's children, have access to dynamite power. And he goes back to that by saying, according his power the dunamis in you comes from him not you the dunamis that is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in christ jesus throughout all generations that's why i love this verse ben ought to love this verse as a youth pastor a couple of things i see in this is her perspective is god can do all things i love how he wraps that up i pray for power so that you will know God's love. And I know he can do that because God can do all things. Wasn't it Paul that said, God can do all things through Christ that strengthens. He says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Again, he knew where the power came from. The dunamis was something. Power, power. I was reading about a guy this week who... uh, we went to sell his house. Stex, you probably went through this, kind of working through things. Uh, I don't know if you've experienced We experienced that we left Battle Creek. There were things that needed to be done in that house for years. But we had to fix them to sell the house. And once you get it all fixed, you go, why am I leaving this house? <laughs> this is, I never had this working before, you know. We fixed things and things were perfect when we sold and left. 
But I was reading about a guy who was selling his house and the person came over. And the first thing uh, they walked through the kitchen is anything not working. You got to list everything that's not working. All the, the, uh, uh, the grinder thingy. What's that called? The disposal has never worked. If you turn it on, it's got a terrible sound. And she said, well, what's that thing for? What do you mean? That little thing there. And there was a tool hanging on the, 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 the little disposal, right? And she goes, have you tightened it? And she put it in there and twisted it one turn, turned it on and it whirred perfectly. They'd never used it because it never worked. Just a twist. Then they went into the living room and, and she said, is there anything in this room that doesn't work? Yeah, that outlet there does not work. She said, your TV is, that's where your TV is placed. Yeah, no, listen, when nobody's here, we take an orange extension cord and take it to the kitchen. We unplug the refrigerator and plug in our TV. Just for a while. We can only watch TV for about a half hour at a time. And she's like, are you serious? Yes, that's the only way we can watch TV because that, that outlet doesn't work. She walks over to the wall and says, what does this switch do? Nothing. We don't know. You know the answer to that, don't you? Sure enough, that switch, when it's on, that turns the outlet on. All this time they've been doing that. All this time they had power in their hands, and yet they didn't flick the switch. I think it's a good illustration. Friends, you and I have been gifted with power. Almighty dunamis power from heaven. I pray that it would be yours so that you would know how deep and wide is the love of God. And we know that because he's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I love that. He can do all things. He can do more than I could ask for. Don't you just love it? Let me give you a reverse perspective. Imagine sitting in heaven and God listening to prayers and him saying, I could do more than that. God be with my children. You know I could do more than that. God, help my kids. Help my kids not to get in a car wreck. You know I can do more than that. God, help me at work. Help me at work. You know I could do more than that. We need to learn to pray big prayers and not general prayers. We need to pray, God, help me go to work tomorrow and be 100% living for you so that when my boss irritates me i don't respond god help me to be disciplined tomorrow at work help me to hold my tongue help me to live right that's a specific prayer and god says you know i can do that i can help you with that god help my kids to thrive in the gospel help them to be leaders and lead others to christ god's like i'll do i'm with you on that Not only can he do all things immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine, but he can do it always. This is the one verse in Scripture that youth pastors ought to love because it it proves God is still working. He's still working throughout all generations. And youth pastors could say what's true for Doug Robertson is true for my seventh grader. God is the same God of power. And by the way, God doesn't give power in Doug Robertson sizes and then in middle school sizes. He doesn't do that. It's dunamis power. Dunamis power. Wow. I love that. So I go back and just, let's wrap it up with those, that last thought. That's the two points I made today for us to consider. Avoid the mistake of praying too small. Everybody say too small. And too general. Too general. This is the book called Fervent. Thank you, Judy, for 
bringing that up because then Julie put it in my hands yesterday. She's like, have you ever? I'm like, yes, Judy gave it to me. And since uh, Mary was making me read stuff, let me close by reading you stuff. Good stuff. As Priscilla Shire writes, as long as prayer remains an afterthought, a formality, a mindless mix of duty and manipulation, something we do but usually don't do and rarely, if ever, do with any meaning and vitality, with confidence and clarity. Praying is supposed to be done with precision. Precision is key. When we pray about the places where we seriously suspect the enemy is at work, that's how we keep our prayer focused, not only on particular situations but on biblical truths that are consistent with maintaining victory in the midst of them. God has deliberately chosen this particular vehicle as the one that drives His activity in people's lives. What can I say? Pray. Let's go ahead and close in prayer and then I'll give you some instructions. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that out of Your glorious riches You would bring down power on your children that they may know how deep and how wide is the love of God and that with that uh, unsurpassing knowledge of your love that your children would come to you in confidence knowing you can do all things and knowing you're going to continue to do all things through all generations they'd come to your throne and pray big prayers and God that the prayers that we're asking for would would only be seen as miraculous when they're answered so that you would get the glory Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, on your way out, here's what we're going to do. It's 10.08. At 10.30, we want everybody to be back in this room. Uh, But from now until then, there's some uh, bread product and fruit product. I don't know what we call these things. It's continental breakfast, right? Uh, It's out there on the thing, and you can get plates of that. And here's what we encourage you to do. The Steck family is here. We encourage you to talk with them, fellowship with them. You can bring food in here or keep it out there. we got a wonderful floor now. Just make a mess of it. We'll clean it up later. Uh, And just enjoy fellowship at 1030. Uh, I'm going to step up and say a few words, and then you're going to watch a video presentation, and we're going to make some presentations of the Steck. So stick around is what I'm encouraging you to do. We should be done by 10.45, 10.50 so that the 11 o'clock crowd can also get in here then enjoy the second service. Uh, but right now as you're leaving, we're going to run a 20-minute loop video of all the crazy skits I made Shane do over the years. And they're just there for your enjoyment. So go and fellowship and, and enjoy the Steck family today. God bless. We're done.